Hello and welcome to another episode of the Fail Mary podcast. Week 9 of the NFL season has come and gone and we have another show to do for you. We'll of course have the mailbag, games of the week and the Akastaka, but as well as a story about the Patriots. But first, let's do the headlines. And we will start with the Colts punishing my praise of them last week by losing 24-26 to the Steelers. Jacoby Brissett was injured in the first quarter. Brad Hoyer, however, managed to pass for three touchdowns. It's reported that Brissett has an MCL strain, but is looking to play next week, so should be fine. In the NFC North, North, all four of the teams lost, which is kind of unusual. The Bears lost to the Eagles and the Lions to the Raiders, which ruined Mayaka. But more importantly, the Vikings lost to a Chiefs side that didn't even have Mahomes. Uh, Matt Moore is an ex-high school coach and he was their quarterback for the week and still managed to outperform Kirk Cousins, who looks like he's slumping back towards his his average. And the Packers lost 11-26 to the Chargers, who, to be fair to them, finally looked like the team pretty much everyone said they should be this season. So, leaving it a bit late to get going, but well done to the Chargers. The Browns effectively torpedoed their own season as they lost 19-24 to the Broncos. Baker Mayfield, um, this is true, shaved his beard twice at the game, and Odell and Jarvis Landry both had boot violations. After the game, Odell said he just wanted to play football, but it strikes me that if you just wanted to play football, you'd probably wear the boots that you were allowed to wear in order to play football. But you know, what do I know? Uh, the Miami Dolphins, in more positive nude, won! They won the game! 26-18 against the Jets. We will talk a little bit more about that later, but well done to Miami. They now have one. One whole win, which is more than Cincinnati. The 49ers remained unbeaten, and finally, after eight games of victory, they asked Garoppolo to do some winning for them. He passed for 317 yards and four touchdowns. Should it be said as well that Arizona played it much closer than I expected them to, ruining my Acker 28-25. Although, if San Francisco had bothered to score at the end instead of just running the clock out, then I would have been right. But anyway, not bitter. Uh, the Texans replaced the Colt at the top of the AFC South after they beat the Jags and the Rams and the Panthers are now sneaking up behind the Vikings for that final playoff spot. They are 5-3 and three compared to the Vikings 6-3. and three. But the big news story of the week was the Patriots and we will start with that. So the Patriots lost to the Ravens this weekend. It was a great game. It had everything. It had Lamar doing ridiculous Lamar stuff. It had good defence. It had turnovers. It had blocked punts. It had fumbles. It had touchdowns returned by defences. It was just all sorts of stuff was going on. It was very entertaining to watch. So as we were coming out of the weekend, I was exciting. I was excited to read about all the different things about the Ravens coming out of the weekend. But instead, because the Pages are the most over-scrutinised team ever, all I got was a lot of there's a lot of Patriots nonsense because they're a good team and people hate it. Uh, to recap just how much the scrutiny the Patriots get for being so successful for so long, uh, do you remember Flategate when they were fined and had players banned, including Brady, for apparently deflating footballs during a game? Well, that was the accusation. I'm not sure how that wouldn't help both teams, but that was the thing that definitely happened to them. Uh, I once watched a YouTube video following the Philadelphia final about how Bill Belichick had deliberately thrown the final because he was upset that the Patriots traded away Jimmy Garoppolo. And basically all this is is people crossing their fingers and hoping for the end of the Patriots dynasty. So, when they lose, everyone goes nuts analysing how it happened and what that loss means. And there was four different stories I read coming out this week. Only one of them was about the Ravens, annoyingly. 
but I'm going to look at them all and see how they stand up to the reality of the situation. And the first story, I mean, this comes out every time they lose. The first story is that Brady's getting old. I I really hate this. This is this for me has absolutely no credibility. Brady has been getting old for five years now. And he's doing it very slowly. He might as well be cryogenically freezing himself at the end of the season because this aging process apparently doesn't occur. I looked up the TB12 diet and like his lifestyle that he does to keep himself in shape. I think he'll live to 200. So I really wouldn't be worrying about this aging thing. And I want to read you something that I, I read about Brady. This, this is a quote from an article. Poor build, skinny, lacks physical stature and strength, lacks mobility and ability to avoid rush, lacks a strong arm, can't drive the ball downfield, lacks tight spiral, system type player, gets knocked down easily. Uh, that's a description of Brady from his draft. So Brady has been the same player from the age of 21 all the way through to 41. He has never been a ridiculously freak athlete like Cam or anything like that. Brady's strength is and always has been his brain. And the idea that at the age of 41, he's somehow forgetting or no longer able to play football like he did last year, five years ago and 10 years ago is pointless journalism. Brady's getting old. He's always been getting old. It's not a good statement and it doesn't add anything to the conversation. So that's number one. Brady getting old. Not interested. Don't want to hear that one again. Moving on to a slightly more credible one. And that is one moment while I turn my notes. The Ravens are Super Bowl contenders. Now, I don't love this one, but I put it above the, you know, the rubbish one I just talked about. I'm not mentioning again. The, Raven, the idea of the Ravens being Super Bowl contenders is interesting. And what the Ravens have that no one else have has is, as we talked about at the beginning of the season, their offense is confusing. And in the modern game, it's really hard to get ready for. Teams don't like practicing tackling anymore. They don't like practicing against the run game because it's not particularly fruitful. So when you come up against, as we talked about, a team that's going to put seven physical blokes out, a running back who's an, an absolute tank in Mark Ingram, Ingram, and then have their quarterback also be the fastest player on the whole field, it's really hard to prepare for. But the Ravens weren't perfect this game. They fumbled twice. They only had 163 passing yards. And whilst their defense is getting better against the run they was they still are struggling against more physical teams i mean remember how much the browns ran on them a few weeks ago so baltimore i definitely think an interesting one for the super bowl conversation but the idea that just because they beat the patriots they're now phenomenal and brilliant instead of just well coached and well prepared is you know not particularly accurate or useful uh the next one the Patriots are not as good as hyped. That's that's an actual headline as well. These are all actual headlines. Uh, well, the defense is still the best in the league. Um, obviously, it's hard to prepare against Lamar, but they, as I've said, it's difficult to prepare against Lamar. But that doesn't mean that they're bad. They just had an unusual week. Um, but looking at their offense, they've got no Gronk from last year, no Nikhil Harry. He was their first round draft pick wide receiver. No Josh Gordon, he's gone. No Antonio Brown, they had him very recently. They've lost their left tackle and their centre. And their kicker, they're now on their third kicker as well. So this week, catching for them was Julian Edelman, as always. And then Mohamed Sanu, who's been there for roughly 10 days. If this were any other team apart from the Patriots, that would be considered the end of the season. But they are the team that always finds the way. 
there is a limit to how much they can recover from. So obviously, if you lose that many players, you're going to struggle offensively. But they struggled offensively last year, and it didn't wasn't a problem in the Super Bowl in the Super Bowl against the Rams because their defense has always elevated them as a team, and they will, as they always do, find ways to win games offensively. So not as good as hyped. I think that's fair, but I don't think that's a reason to put them out of the the contention completely. So here's the last one. And I'm going to start with the precursor. Everyone knows I love a conspiracy theory. I've said that many times in this show. This one is wonderful. And this was a 30-minute YouTube video that I watched. Bill Belichick threw the game. <gasps> wait, wait. Precursor to this. There is absolutely no way that Bill Belichick deliberately lost a game. It's not in his DNA. He would never do that. But let's think about what we know in this situation, okay? Belichick is the smartest head coach in the NFL. That's not arguable. The Patriots are going to the playoff with a bye. They're 8-1 and and they still have got to play Cincinnati and Miami. So they're going to be 10-1 without winning any of their other games. They're going to get a bye. They're going to get a first round. They're going to get to skip the first round. The offense is limited, so they rely heavily on their defense. They're going to need their defense to carry them in games. In the playoffs, there is a large chance that they're going to face Baltimore again. Baltimore... I went in their division by a while. Pittsburgh are improving, but still not great. And Cleveland, a complete train wreck. So it looks like Baltimore will be going to the playoffs and could end up playing the Patriots again. The Patriots love being the underdog. You think about the last three Super Bowls. The only one they lost was the one where they weren't the underdog at any point in the game. When they played Philadelphia and Nick Foles, everyone said the Patriots should win this, and they didn't. Belichick does a much better job as head coach when he can inspire his players by telling them that no one thinks they're any good. And this is the important one, and I need to let me explain this one. The Ravens were 4-4 four and four in the red zone, so every time they were in the last 20, they scored a touchdown. That is unheard of for the Patriots and Belichick. Belichick has always been brilliant, especially with this defence, of when their backs were against the wall, making stops. And Lamar went in all four times. So let me tell you what I think might have happened before this game. Belichick looks at all this information he's got, recognises the situation and says to his team, we've never seen an offence like this. We're going to try some stuff out. If they don't work, at least we'll know for next time when we face them again. Belichick was testing Lamar in this game and he passed. To be fair, Lamar played incredibly, especially with his feet. But if they play the Patriots again, he'll be much better prepared and much better equipped because he's had a chance to test out these things again. Four and four in the red zone tells me that Belichick was trying to find a new way of doing things instead of just reverting to type and defending the unreal level of defense that the Patriots have always done. So it was a test for Lamar. He passed. Congratulations. But the Patriots are still the favorite team in the AFC to make the Super Bowl. Did Belichick throw the game? No. Was he trying to find a new way to win it? I think probably yes. Moving on from the conspiracy theories, let's have a look at the mailbag. And I really like this first one. Someone's just written, Can you talk about the Dolphins now, please? Mainly in capitals. Yes, I can. Um, well, they won, first of all. Very, very good of them to actually... <laughs> put up a significant amount of points as well. There are There is a thing about Fitzpatrick where, do you remember last year when Tampa went like five games where they put up like 40 points a game? Fitzpatrick's sort of 
blasé approach to quarterbacking does occasionally lead to just some ridiculously good performances, especially against defences like the Jets, which are really quite bad. But 26-18, and I understand that the internet likes the uh, the tanking meme, but actually, you know, Miami didn't start very well. They got thrashed in the first three games. That's not really worth mentioning. And then they managed to put up some points against the Chargers. And then they went very close against Washington, despite not having the best QB, the best running back, or the best receiver. Lost to Buffalo. Were leading Pittsburgh. And then this week beat the New York Jets. And I think Brian Flores, whilst hasn't been brilliant, deserves a lot of credit because the Dolphins have no one. They've got two QBs with promise. Fitzpatrick promises you that he'll throw the ball as far as he can on most plays. And Rosen's young enough that you could have some security around him. But aside from that, they have nothing. And yet they consistently come out and score the points that they score early on. It's not like they're racking up garbage time points when the team's already given up because they know they've won. They quite often come out, have a fair crack at it for about 20 minutes and go, right, tired now or bored now and sort of give up on it. But that suggests to me that they're coached well, they're well organised, they just haven't got any real talent on their entire team. But what they have done is accrued a lot of draft picks and these aren't guaranteed to be good players, but they've got rid of all the people who weren't interested in being there. They've only got people who are willing to play, are interested in playing at the moment. So that's why they played up against the Jets and looked like they wanted to be there. And maybe not next year, but maybe in a few years, if they pick the drafts well and they maybe trade them away from more, so a few more veterans, the Dolphins could be an interesting team. I've been, I was less surprised by this Jets win than you might imagine, although it is still wonderful to see. So yeah. There you go, some positive words on Miami. And I think, quite rightly, you have a right, a, a right to be to be hopeful for the future. Maybe not next year, but, you know, somewhere. Question number two, are you ready to give up on the Browns' playoff hopes? Yep, I'm done with that. That was just... I don't know why any of them are so consumed with their appearances. And when I say any of them, this is mainly Baker and the receivers, because... Everyone else seems to be giving it going. Poor Nick Chubb is basically carrying that team. His back must really hurt, considering how young he is. He's doing a lot of the work, but I am ready to give up. As I said before, at the beginning of the season, their defence, they built the team the wrong way. They built them from the outside in. So they've got good wide receivers, good corners and good edge rushers. But the middle of their team, you can just run straight at it like Denver did all day. And this head coach is sort of made it a very elementary playbook as well, which means that teams are like, oh, okay. Well, we know how to cover this. I've been doing it since I was 11. So, yeah, bailing on the Browns, I'm done with them. Bored of talking about them anyway. Baker Mayfield also, just just stop talking. Like, please, boring me. Anyway, however, from the ashes rises this other team. Oakland have been impressed. Oakland is sneakily 11th in total offense. How? They have no one. They got rid of AB, or well, had to get rid of AB, I mean, Derek Carr is throwing to people like Darren Waller. Had you heard of Darren Waller before this season? No, me neither. So they've done it the right way. They've built an O-line. They've kept the QB. The QB's well-structured. Now, they still can't defend, but that's fine. They've still got to play. They're 4-4. and They've got to play the Chargers twice, Cincinnati, the Jets, Denver, and the Jags in their remaining games. Now, if they can push for nine wins in this division, then I think they could be challenging, you know? They're definitely taking the Browns' place for the team that's challenging the most but might not get there so 
yes, out on the Browns, getting on the Oakland bus. And I think you'll be there too in a few weeks, so get on early with me. We'll get on the Oakland, <laughs> Oakland hype train. Well done to John Gruden, because it is it's a very well and cleverly run offense, and it's working even without a lot of pieces. They're running back as well. Should Quick credit to him, Josh, Adam, Josh Jacobs, because he's been brilliant. And finally from the mailbag, who is making the playoffs for the NFC? I know I talked about AFC last week, and fair enough, talk about the other one. Trying to avoid it because it's really hard to tell. There is just sort of so much going on in the NFC at the moment. This is what we said before. There's a lot of depth in the NFC, and all the teams have sort of issues. So we've got, let me remind you the picture. You've got 49ers and the Saints. They're definitely making it in. Then you've got the Packers third and the Cowboys fourth, 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 fourth in just by being top of the division, and then the Vikings and the Seahawks fifth and six the Packers play sorry the Cowboys play the Vikings this weekend whoever loses that game I think is in trouble because the Vikings Kirk hasn't looked like he's on a downwards trajectory again they're only sixth seed they're only six and three and behind them the Rams the Panthers and the Eagles are all on five wins Green Bay as well you know offensively they've had only two losses but two really sort of strong thumping losses from teams that had quite a simple game plan and just executed it very well. So they're beatable. Seattle, they're very much riding the Russell Wilson train. But if he ever takes even a small step back, they're going to be in trouble because their defense isn't great at all. And the Cowboys of the Vikings as well have been have just elementary issues for all the teams. I like the Panthers, but I think how far can you go just riding Christian McCaffrey? And I think they need to find more ways of winning the games. And the Eagles and the Rams will, you know what I like to think about the Eagles, I wish they would just play as well as they're supposed to. And the Rams as well have been transitioning from this run-heavy team to this pass-heavy team. And this week, off the bye, it'll be interesting to see how they go. Whoever this, whoever loses this weekend between the Cowboys and the Vikings, I think won't get in because both teams have had some real sort of elementary issues that when you are getting to this stage of the season, it's getting very, very tight and very close slip-ups in games with the schedules they've got to finish as well, you can't really afford to lose them. So if the Vikings lose and the teams behind them all win, then they are going to be in a very sticky situation. If Dallas lose and they've got Philadelphia behind them in their division and they're going to be competing for a wild card as well instead of just topping their division. So it's going to be very interesting to watch. I'm going to wait for a call on the NFC until next week. So you have to wait for that one. There you go. I'm postponing my NFC predictions, but it is going to be very interesting, and this weekend will be important to see. And that will bring to the end a mailbag and lead us quite nicely into our games of the week. Uh, I have two, as always, the six o'clock and the later kickoff. I'll start with the later kickoff because the Panthers Packers game is also going to be absolutely fascinating. The two games that the Green Bay Packers have lost. They have lost because the teams just took the run to them. The Chargers ran at them and Philadelphia ran at them as well. And I would be worried if I was in the Packers organization. Rogers thinks they're going to bounce back. He said at the end of the last game that, you know, we didn't prepare properly for that Chargers game. We got too arrogant. We believed our own hype, but we need to go back now. So this will be very interesting to see. If the Packers get their offense going and assert a very good run game and keep Christian McCaffrey off the field, then you could sort of cross your fingers and hope that uh, Kyle Allen struggles in Green Bay because Green Bay is a very hard place to go. And I have got an axe stack on this, so we'll come to that as well. But either way, 
It's going to be very going to be a very very interesting game. I'll explain why I think the team I think is going to win is going to win in about five minutes. But first, you just need to know that it will be a good game and to keep an eye on it. So that is the Panthers at the Packers. That's about nine o'clock on Sunday. The game before that, however, much more simply at six o'clock. This is Atlanta Falcons off a bye at the Saints, also off a bye. I can't wait for this one. Playing in New Orleans is an absolute nightmare for most teams, but for that Atlanta defense, this is going to go one or two games, two ways, because they have had time to prepare. So maybe that they've improved their defense a bit. And if that's the case, then it's going to be a very good game because Matt Ryan's a good QB. They're in a dome. They've got that good wide receiving core. They've been struggling to run the ball. So it's all going to be about how can Matt Ryan utilize Julio Jones and the rest of his receivers. If they haven't got better on defense, then this is going to be how many points can the Saints score on Atlanta? Because that defense is truly awful. There's a guy called Brett Coleman on YouTube. I really recommend him. He does like breaking down film of certain teams each week. And his Atlanta breakdown is hilarious because they're so comically bad. It's almost like it was written in a script by like a dark comedy writer. They're awful. So either we get a really good game where Atlanta step up and challenge the Saints or... We get a comically bad game as the Saints ruin the Atlanta defence and Matt Ryan does his best to try and keep up in the scoreline. So, those are the two games. Saints versus Atlanta in New Orleans and then the Panthers at the Packers later in the evening. Both well worth watching. Stay up for them. I will be. And that, bada bing, bada bang, will bring us finally into our Akastaka. And we'll start with our first pick, the Bills plus three at the Browns. Yes, you heard that right. I do not understand this. What about the Browns at the moment tells people that they are the favourites against the Bills, who are second in their division in seven and two? I don't get it at all. I mean, is it the fact that they just lost to Denver? Do they think that that's going to help the Browns out? Is it the fact that their receivers are more worried about what shoes they're wearing? Is it the fact that their QB shaved twice during a game? I mean, the Bills are better coached. Their run game is just as effective as the Browns, if not more. The Browns just rely on Nick Chubb. Um, you've got the better defense of the two teams. I mean, this is one of those ones where I'm, I think I'm probably being like pranked and actually there's something that I'm missing entirely, but I've Googled it. There's nothing wrong with the Bills. So plus three out of the Browns. They don't even have to win against a team that couldn't beat Denver but it is the Bills who have recovered well since they lost to the Philadelphia Eagles. They played well last week, plus three at the Browns. If they lose that, then I, d I don't know. I don't know, what's, I don't know what's going on. I don't understand it. I'm, just, I'm giving up if they lose that game. To be honest, they should absolutely hammer them. Number two. We've just spoken about this one as well. Saints versus the Falcons. Their bye week dome at the Atlanta defense sucks. Minus 12.5. As I said before, there is a chance that Atlanta have suddenly learned to defend. There is also a chance that they haven't. And the Saints are off a bye. They're very good off a bye. They always win off byes. They're at home, one of the hardest places to go to. They're in this ridiculously good season. Drew Brees is back. The fans are getting right behind them. This could be an absolute bloodbath. And I understand. I like Matt Ryan and I like the Falcons offense. And I think they do well. But they are shambolically bad in defense. And... Matt Ryan and Julio Jones trying their best to keep pace isn't going to be enough to keep this Atlanta boat afloat. They have been rubbish this season, and I think it's less than two touchdowns. Baltimore nearly beat the, the Patriots by that. I mean, 
that is that's a margin. So that's the game. Saints minus 12.5 versus the Falcons. Next one, the Rams minus three at at Pittsburgh. Rams are off a bye. Pittsburgh have been good, not great. The Rams have a ridiculous good pass rush. Their secondary is getting better with the signing of Jalen Ramsey. Mason Rudolph isn't blowing me away whatsoever. And the Pittsburgh pass rush is good, but I think the Rams have been making this shift to a passing team and they're going to absolutely go after this Pittsburgh secondary. And when they do, with this good wide receiving core, no one wants to mess with the Rams receiving group. They are all very talented. So minus three at Pittsburgh. Yes, it's a hard place to go. Yes, the Pittsburgh are improving, but I think Rams will win by a comfortable margin. I think this one will be closer to 25-15 or something like that. And the next one, this is the one we talked about earlier. Green Bay, minus five versus Carolina. My reasoning for this is they've just put Cam Newton on the IR, which means he is not coming back this season. Kyle Allen, who has been playing for his job week on week, is now suddenly confirmed first choice receiver for the rest of QB for the rest of the evening, rest of the season. That's either a lot of pressure, so he's going to be more nervous, or he's now very relaxed because he's not have to worry about his job week to week. Either way, there's a lot going on in Kyle Allen's head, and now he's got to go to Green Bay in one of the hardest places to play, where it's usually quite cold and very very loud. And the one thing we know about Green Bay's defense is that they're going to do everything they can to stop McCaffrey. That's what they do. They find the one thing that you're really good at and they take that away. They force you to play a different way. And then they're going to put Alexander on DJ Moore because he's the best receiver. This game's going to be on Kyle Allen to win. He's not going to be able to just dunk off to McCaffrey for 200 yards in the game and win it that way. This game is on Green Bay. Aaron Rodgers off a loss is quite good at a bounce back, especially at home. So minus five, less than a touchdown. I will take that one as well. Green Bay minus five versus Carolina. And we can now finish with... This is a big one. 49 is minus six and a half versus the Seahawks. This is a this is a this is a big game for both teams, especially the Seahawks. But the 49ers have had extra time because they played last week on Thursday night, and this game is the, the Monday night game. And they are the best running team in the NFL. They run more than Baltimore. If they can run it a lot, then they'll keep Russell Wilson off the field. And then he's going to have to continue to be because the 49ers run defense is too good. Russell Wilson is going to have to once again play a ridiculously good game. And he's done a lot of them in a row. But against this defense, surely he's got to take some form of a step back. He can't be this good every week. If he is, then he's the, the certain MVP. But minus six and a half, even if Russell Wilson plays really well, his defense has got to step up as well against this ridiculously good running game, which is going to look to keep him off the field. And I think 49ers will improve from their performance against the Cardinals. will make sure they go back to winning in different ways. And this will be a big win for the Cardinals in their division. Minus six and a half. Touchdown with a field goal. I'm With a converter point, I'm, I'm okay with that as a margin. I will accept that. It's quite high. I'd have liked it lower, but that's not how odds betting works. So let me run through them again. Bills plus three at the Browns. That makes no sense to me, surely. Saints minus 12 and a half versus the Falcons. The Rams minus three at Pittsburgh. Green Bay minus five versus Carolina. And the 49ers minus six and a half versus the Seahawks. that will end our rack stacker and end the show this is going to be a great weekend of sport and i have it 
entirely dedicated to watching the NFL. So after England's terrible terrible performance in the rugby, which I'm not going to talk about because it just makes me sad, we can concentrate on some sport that's positive. So that will be what my weekend is dedicated to. Please join me Sunday evening, Saints game. I will be watching. Please tweet us, send us any mailbags. That's at MK Fail Mary. And I'll see you all next week. Bye.